Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited for you to hear from Lanier Sampson on episode number 79 of our podcast. He's currently the wide receiver coach at McNeese State University in Lake Charles, Louisiana. He played his college football at Baylor University from 2007 to 2012. He's originally from Mesquite, Texas, right outside the Dallas area. But most importantly, he loves the Lord. High character, passionate about using coaching as a ministry. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it and talking to Lanier just about his playing days at Baylor, but most of all, just about his passion for the Lord. So without further delay, let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Lanier. No problem. No problem. I'm excited. Yeah. So I always, I like to start these off just with some background information so listeners kind of get an idea of who you are. So if you don't mind, just tell us a little, a little bit about yourself, uh, a little bit about your family growing up and maybe with some sports you played growing up and then um, what you're doing now. Uh, I'm from Mesquite, Texas, born and raised, um, single mom initially. Uh, my stepdaddy came in at the age of six as he adopted me when they got married. Um, growing up, only child, my dad had a son on his own before he married my mom. And then my biological dad had three other kids as well. And so I had a total of four brothers, but I was the only one from my mom. So I grew up in a, in a house with just my mom and my stepdad. And I was in every sport you can imagine. I was playing baseball, playing soccer, playing basketball, playing football, running track, and also even tried tennis for a day. So I was kind of kind of in everything, and just growing up, um, we we did a lot of traveling because I played select sports as well, and mom and dad at every game, and didn't miss a game to college. So it was it was great having them around. Um, now you know, <clears throat> going to North Mesquite High School and going to Baylor and playing the NFL for a, a little stint, um, but now I'm at McNeese State uh, coaching wide receivers here. And that's in Lake Charles, Louisiana? Lake Charles, Louisiana, yes, sir. That's awesome. So you, you talked about your mom and, and stepdad. Did did you grow up? Was it a family of faith? And then at what point did you realize that you needed a personal relationship with Jesus? Man, um, growing up, I mean, I'm in a church home. Um, my mom goes to church faithfully. Um, she believes in the Lord, and I'm glad. I'm happy for that. Um, my dad, not so much initially. But being with my mom, um, he grew as well in the church. And so both of them were in the church. So we went to church every Sunday, went to church every Wednesday, and we we did all that. Um, At 13, uh, when I switched church and went to um, Christian Stronghold Baptist Church in Dallas, I got saved at the age of 13 when I really understood, you know, not fully understood, but was in understanding of what it means to give your life to Christ. And so at 13, I decided to do that. That's awesome. I mean, that's an incredible age. You don't hear a lot. I mean, 13, there's a lot going on at age 13. (laughs) That's good. Yes, sir. So, you know, we'll get back to your faith in a little bit. I want to talk to you a little bit about about sports. So you played high school football here in the Dallas area in Mesquite. So talk about playing high school football um, in Texas, I mean, there, there's a lot of pressure. You and I were talking before we hit record, just the number of high schools in the Dallas area. So talk about playing on Friday night here in the Dallas area. 
I mean, it's a great atmosphere. If you're not from Texas, it it, it may, you know, catch you off guard because you, you see, I mean, Friday Night Lights, you know, you hear nothing about, you know, Texas football is this big and Texas football is this, Texas football is that. And so if you're not from Texas, you, you really think Texas football is huge, which it is. But I'm from Texas. I grew up in Texas. And, you know, te- football's always been big. So going into high school, going to North Mesquite, um, it wasn't it wasn't a big change from what I was used to. You know, I mean, we have a stadium that seats 20,000 and and every every Friday night is I mean, it's almost a packed house, if not packed depending on if you, who you're playing, if you're playing a rivalry game, it's, it's definitely packed. But it, for, for me and for guys, I think that's in Texas, it's not a um, it's not a culture shock or, or anything like that because you're used to, you know, playing in big games growing up. And, you know, even Pee Wee, I mean, it's, it's gotten big in Texas. Just oh, yeah. How many, you know, how many people show up for, for Pee Wee games. And so you're used to having a little crowd where, it, like I said, it's not it's – not, uh, it's not, it's not too much for you. And then uh, going to play at Baylor. So talk about the recruiting um, and, and why did you, why did you pick Baylor? Man. Um, so didn't, didn't know anything about Baylor for, for a while in the, in the recruiting process early on, you know, I had um, offers outside the state, Wisconsin, Duke, um, Arizona and schools like that. And then I ended up getting uh, Oklahoma State, uh, North Texas, TCU, and started getting some in-state schools as well. Baylor may be one of my, one of my last offers. And, um, and I went to a camp and ended up getting an offer by the time I left. And it was the old coaching staff who got Morris. And, and they did a good job, you know, recruiting me. And I didn't commit right then. Um, I kind of waited out. But I committed to them before my senior season. This is before Coach Browns got there. And one of the reasons why I committed there um, was, I mean, being close to home, kind of a big factor because my parents, like I told you before, they they came to everything that I've done. And then um, at that time, they were throwing the ball. And obviously being a receiver, you know, you want to be in a, a pass-happy offense. And so um, – and then the, the receiver coaches were great. And uh, and so I ended up, you know, committing to them going into my senior year. Well, when Browse got the job, found out the guy Morrison was getting fired and Browse got the job, I didn't know much about Browse, you know. And so I asked around and they were saying, hey, Browse is a good coach, you know, just stay there, you know, don't decommit, you know, all that good stuff. And what it did was it gave me an opportunity to play with a, a great coach, you know, like Browse and his coaching staff. And, um, I mean, he made made me feel welcome. He came to my house with uh, Coach Clements, which was the O-line coach at the time, and the inside receiver coach, Kendall Browse, which both of them are at Florida State now. And they both came in, and they all three came in and, you know, introduced themselves to me and introduced themselves to my parents. And my parents felt great leaving me in their hands at 17 years old. When I got to Baylor, I was 17. Mm. And they felt they felt great about, you know, they felt great about the coaching staff. And so um, that made me feel comfortable about going there. Well, and and so when you, you mentioned being recruited by previous coaching staff and Guy Morris, so, you know, three and nine was a record. I think it was 07. You go in 08, 09, you know, four and eight. And then the winning starts. Yes. So, I mean, your, your class played a pretty big role 
in turning Baylor around. Um, and you played with a guy that, you know, our brows were able to recruit a, a quarterback by the name of Robert Griffin III. So talk about as a receiver playing with a guy like RG3 and, and just being a part of such a turnaround. Man, playing with RG3 is, was, was amazing. Um, he was a leader for our team. I mean, you knew that as soon as he stepped foot on campus. And he came, he, he got there a, a semester before the rest of the freshmen got there because he came in early. But, I mean, when I first got on campus, I mean, you knew that Robert was going to be a guy. He was going to be a mm -hmm. dude just the way he carried himself. He was very mature for his age. I mean, like I said, he went in the semester early. He went in as a senior, you know, in high school, basically. Mm -hmm. And so um, just playing with a guy like that it was was great. I mean, obviously on the field, he was amazing. He won the Heisman Trophy in uh, 2011. And uh, just, I mean, him off the field, he's a – very personal person he's goofy he's, he's <laughs> down to earth he doesn't think he's better than everybody and, and it's just it made winning more fun you know and I mean early on like you said we went four and eight the first two years I redshirted my first year so the year I played was my redshirt freshman we went four and eight again and that's when Robert hurt his knee and Nick Florence came in and did a good job as a true freshman as well but just seeing how you know the first two years we struggled when we was first, we was Brown's first recruiting class, and the first two years we struggled, and then the next year went seven and six, then the next year we went ten and three, and Robert won the Heisman. Next year we went eight and five, and we struggled early on that year as well. And then when I left, you know, they kind of, kind of just passed the torch, and they won two Big Twelve championships back to back. And so it, it was, it was amazing being able to go to a school that wasn't already a Texas or Oklahoma, mm. and. And, and and take Baylor to that level where we're competing, not only competing, but beating Texas and Oklahoma, you know, year in and year out. And so it, it was a great, um, it was a great experience. You know, and <clears throat> every time we drive down to Waco or drive through Waco, you see the McLean Stadium and you can't help but think back to those years that you, you were talking about, your freshman and sophomore year. That's really what laid the foundation for that facility and then the athletic facility. So, I mean, your class really, I don't know if it'll ever be written this way, but I mean, laid a pretty big foundation um, to what, you know, set the stage for Baylor for, for years to come. So right. that's, yeah, that's pretty incredible. You know, you're talking about Robert Griffin, um, you know, RG3 being a personable guy. I can think of two times for our family, you know, I've got at the time our kids were very young and we were, I think y'all were doing a bowl practice. And one thing about uh, Coach Brawl's practices were open. So we're driving through town and we stopped by and my two boys were kind of off to the side and they, we look up and there's RG3 telling the boys, hey, come over here with me. You know, and he's just there on one knee and playing with the boys. That's something that, you know, that for young kids, that just means a lot. And, you know, this guy's winning a Heisman Trophy. But yet, to your point, I, I'm not sure I've seen an athlete with that much charisma, and and fame like that, but yet so humble. Right. Uh, yeah. Robert's always he's always the same guy. His parents, I mean, they're amazing people. And uh, just getting to know them and and my parents talking to their parents all the time, you know, back in school. They, I mean, they did a good job raising him. And obviously, they're a military family, as we all know. Yeah. And and he's, <laughs> he's very humble. He, he's very humble. And I know, you know, you have people out there that may not think that way, but. I mean, I've been in locker rooms with him. Um, I, I've, I've been out with him. I've, I've been on the field with him, you know. 
we spent a lot of time together. I mean, we still talk to this day. Matter of fact, I just talked to him a couple of days ago. And so he's a very humble person, and I think he's grateful for everything he's got. And I'm, I mean, obviously we're grateful that he was our quarterback. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. It was, it was good. I don't think I sent you this question ahead of time, but let me ask you this. What was the spiritual climate like of the, of the team? I know traditionally a lot of college teams, you know, you got chapel on game day, but what was it like spiritually for, for, for your group, your class? It was, it was good. It was good. Wes Yeary was our chaplain at the time and he did a good job with some of the things he did whether that's on Monday when we have FCA with all the student athletes, whether it was uh, the day before the game when we had a um, little chapel and things like that. And then when your leaders are, when your le- leaders, you know, believe in God and, and are faith driven, like myself and, you know, and Robert Griffin and some of the other, you know, guys that played on the team, I mean, it, it, it spread, it spread and, it, and, and you felt it. And that's what I, you know, that's what I love about being there. Yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you said that and, you know, we're OK with me asking that because I'll just throw it out there. I mean, a lot has been said lately about that time at Baylor. And so I, I think what's missed is a lot of good was going on, you yep. know, but unfortunately, you know, we're not getting that. So thanks for sharing that. And I've heard a lot of good things about Wes. You're a number of guys I've talked to, not really through the podcast, but just talking to say the same thing that the, the, the leadership was strong. The leadership was strong spiritually and it really spread among the team. So I appreciate you sharing that. No problem. Let me ask you uh, one more sports memory about Baylor's. My wife is a, a, a Baylor grad. And when she was there in the mid nineties, um, I'm not sure. I know they never saw eight and 10 and three. I'm not sure they saw seven and six. So she, wasn't used to um, a lot of success. So right. uh, what's your greatest memory um, of playing at Baylor? My greatest memory playing at Baylor, I would have to say when we beat Oklahoma in 2011. Thursday night? Yes. Yeah. The, the pass that Robert threw to Terrence Williams yeah. was, was the greatest memory of my Baylor career. And wow. after that game, Robert was like, I think Baylor just won themselves their first Heisman. Wow. <laughs> and and I like the way he worded it, you know, and just said, you know, I I, you know, I think Baylor has won themselves their first Heisman. He, it's not about Howard Robert, and that's what made the team so strong as well. It was mm. it wasn't a lot of eyes, it was it was a lot of weeds, you know, and it, and, it, and it was about the team, but that pass that he threw to Terrence and that catch by Terrence was, was, was amazing. Yeah. I remember we, uh, we, we got tickets kind of at the last minute um, and drove down to that. And I'll never forget my wife pulling into Floyd Casey and seeing all the grills. And she's like, I've never seen tailgating at Baylor like this. What's going on? <laughs> you know, and then the stadium is, it was crazy. Right. And I, you know, before we, we were there during, we would go during Kevin Steele's coaching and Guy Marsh years and, you know, the kids didn't know any better. They had a great time because it wasn't crowded. They could, you know, interact with players a lot. And, you know, for the kids, that was great. But, you know, being there when it packed, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty special. Yeah. So you you mentioned some time in the um, in the NFL. So, you you know, you were with the Cowboys, Steelers, Colts, and then I think tried uh, a little time in the Canadian League. So talk about 
um, you know, the success at Baylor and then going undrafted, but yet still trying to pursue that dream of pro football? I mean, it was it was tough. It was tough going undrafted. Um, I knew I had a chance possibly to get drafted, but I also knew I had a chance to go undrafted. And the good thing about undrafted is, especially if you have teams that, you know, that's interested in you, that you get to pick your team. Hmm. And after the draft, you know, I had 20 teams calling, trying to sign me to a free agent contract. So that was good. And and it was good for me being able to get to choose where I wanted to go. Only thing is you had to do it less than 10, 15 minutes <laughs> because they're trying to sign free agents right after the draft. But um, it was it was very humbling. It was very humbling. And I think it it was a uh, it was motivation, you know, going undrafted, having to prove yourself all over again. And it wasn't nothing for me to have to prove myself. So I felt like I've always had to do that, even at Baylor, you know. And so um, and and it, it was it was a it was end up working out, you know, end up working out well. Um, played a, a couple years in the league, you know, was on a few practice squads and. You know, it was it was a good experience. It was a good experience in, in a good way and a bad way. You know, nobody likes to get cut. You know, but that's that's the name of the game, especially you know when you're on a practice squad. I mean, any day, even on the team, you know, any day in the NFL you can get cut. Mm. And there's some days, uh, you know, I walk in there, and the guy that was that was your locker mate is gone. You know, and then the next day, the guy on your left, you know, the guy on your right was gone the day before, and the guy on your left is gone. That, that following day. And so, um, and so it's very, it, it can be nerve wracking, you know, going in there every day thinking like, man, am I going to get cut? You know, man, you know, did I have a good practice day? And man, am I, you know, am I, am I safe? You know, you have a lot of worry and a lot of doubt, you know, going in each and every day. Um, but it, it, it taught me a lot. And it taught me a lot about myself. And, um, and, it, and I think it helped me to this point. You know, a lot of people, when they think about the NFL, they see money, fame. Um, they see all the good. But you you talked about, um, you know, you're having to pay. You're having to really feel feel pressure every practice from the from the practice squad player. Um, so, what role did your faith play in that? Um, you know, because you talked about it, there's doubts, there's fear, there's pressure. But you know, so talk about your role your faith in that i think early on um it wavered and i'm not going to sit here and, and tell mm-hmm. you that i'm the you know most most perfect christian in the world because i'm not and I, you know i make mistakes and and uh sometimes i decide i want to do things on my own which mm-hmm. you know, we all know that you know that's what god's for you know god's there to hold our hand and and early on i, I my my faith wavered a little bit and I was kind of trying to do everything on my own and it it kind of it kind of hurt me a little bit and then when I got my next opportunity I think that's when my faith really kicked in and my mindset was control what I can control and put everything else in God's hands because I mean that first training camp was was rough for me and it was rough for me in the terms of going back to you know man am I gonna get cut you know and and worrying about every little thing I do mm. you know, is was that good enough? Was that practice good enough? Am I doing the right things? You know? And and it just it, it worried me so much that I couldn't really focus. I couldn't really focus and and did I play the best that preseason? Probably not. Probably could have played a lot better. But at that point, you know, it is what it is. 
But uh, moving forward, um, I did a better job at controlling what I can control and leaving everything else in God's hands. And I think when I did that, I think life kind of took off for me. And it maybe not been in the NFL, but just in life. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it taught me a lot about myself and uh, and the way I go about things. Well, that's a good reminder. I can think of a lot of times when uh, when I, I think my my plan is a little bit better, my way is a little bit better. And, <laughs> you know, and I do, I try to control it all. Yeah. And then, you know, you're, it affects everything, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So that's a yep. good good reminder on simple things about worrying. Um, right. So talk about, you know, the life of a football player, whether it's college or pro, is pretty hectic. I mean, it's seven days a week, right? So yes, how do you stay connected to the church and your faith through the busyness when it's easy? I mean, you talked about your faith wavering, but that was more out of, you know, trying to control. But you know, just staying connected to, to the church, if you will. It's 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 tough. It's tough and more when I <laughs> was out of college than what I was in college because in college it made it easy because I can get on a schedule. Mm. And so, you know, Sundays before we go up there, um, Sundays before we, you know, watch film and, and, and run and things like that, you know, I can get some church in because going to church on Sundays kind of helped help me refocus mm-hmm. because by the end of the week, it's about to be game day or game day. And I mean, it's easy to lose, lose focus. And so it kind of helped me uh, regain my focus and rejuvenate myself for the week. Monday was FCA, and so I would always go to that. I was one of the leaders in FCA, and and like I said, Wes Geary did a good job with there. And so it kind of kept me connected in that sense as well. And uh, I try to do my best, I mean, and, and staying in the Word and, and reading my Bible and, and things like that. And like I said, it's, with the schedule, it can get hard. Um, but in college, it was a little easier for me because of I can have a consistent schedule even during the season. When you can have a consistent schedule during the season, it's much more easier in the off season because your time is—I mean, you have more time, you know—in the off season to be able to get all that done. Mm-hmm. Now, in the NFL, it's tough because obviously you have games on Sunday, and uh, I mean, it's—it's it's, that's a full-time job. You know, you're not right. going to school. Right? You know, I'm not going to class from eight to, to 12, eight to one. Uh, I'm, I'm in football. And uh, so during the season, I think was probably the hardest and the toughest time for me to actually, I would say find time, but I mean, I can always find time. I didn't do a good job at finding mm-hmm. time to make that happen all the time. You know, sometimes I would bet I was better at it than, you know, than other times, but I didn't, I wasn't consistent. Now, in the offseason, it was easier for me mm-hmm. during the offseason because, obviously, you know, I go to church back home, and, and it's kind of easy to stay on path. What also helped me at the time was, you know, I had a girlfriend at the time. And so she's very faith-driven, and she's a Christian young lady, and she, you know, kind of you know, made sure that I was getting my word in one way or another, you know, whether that's sending me quotes, whether that's sending me – um, um little deals from church, little voice recordings or anything like that to, you know, kind of, kind of help me out and how kind of help me stay focused during my, during my time in the, in the NFL. So talk about the decision of when you decided it was time to walk away from football as a player. I mean, what, what went, what went through 
your mind in making that decision? What role did your faith play in that? Because I can imagine, I mean, when you've you talked about playing all the sports as a youth and then all of a sudden, you know, it's it's time to walk away and not drag it out. I think what what did it was, you know, I went up to Ottawa to play in Canada. And I think at that time I was playing, I would say I was playing my best football. You know, I was mm. relaxing and I experienced a lot and probably playing my best football. So going into the after the second preseason game, they they cut me. So at this point, I'm, you know, kind of just lost for words and I don't really know what to say or do at that time. It was kind of like, wow. Like, and I understood, I understood saying the game a little bit. The Canadian game is a little different and I know they signed like four vets, you know, receivers. So I, I, I understood it a little bit and it was tough, but at the same time, I got to the point where I stopped wearing and I stopped, you know, trying to control things I couldn't control. And at that point, you know, I just gave it to God. And I, at that point I've been giving it to God. So it was, it was easier than I expected. So after I get cut, you know, I go home in June and from June to December, you know, I wasn't I really wasn't doing much was working out, but also, you know, subbing in the meantime, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what's next. Do I still want to play football or, do I want to just hang it up and, and move on? At that time, Coach Babers is at Bowling Green. At that time, Dino Babers is at Bowling Green. And, you know, I give him a call, and I just told him, I, I said, hey, look, I'm done with football. He always told me when I was done with football, let him know. I was like, look, I'm done with football. I'm hanging it up. I'm moving on. So he was like, okay. So he was in the meantime of getting, you know, you know, leaving Bowling Green and going wherever he was going to go at the time. Didn't know it was going to be Syracuse. Didn't know where it was going to be. Could have still been at Bowling Green, but I, w I was really ready to, you know, start being a coach. And when he got the Syracuse job, he stayed true to his word. He brought me to Syracuse. And knowing at that time that I was going to Syracuse, I get two calls from the Canadian League. Hmm. One, call was, one call was from the team I just left, Ottawa, the team that just cut me. And they called me and trying to get me back up there. And then the offensive coordinator at the time at Ottawa ended up being the head coach at another Canadian team for another Canadian team. And his GM called me and asked that I want to come play with them. And this is how I knew I was ready to be done because I told both teams that I'm done playing. Wow. It, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, uh, you know, let me think about a situation. It was kind of like, I appreciate you offering, Coach, but, you know, I'm moving on. I'm going to Syracuse to be a graduate assistant, but I appreciate the offer. And there was no sweat off my back. I didn't. I don't regret the decision I made. And, you know, from then on, I knew that was the time. Wow. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're pursuing pro ball and then you feel like it's over and then so you start pursuing a plan you think God has for you and then yeah. – you start getting phone calls and they, it just shows, I mean, you stay true to, to God's plan. It's, it's always better than, than ours. Correct. Correct. So let me ask you um, a couple more questions. This, this one has to do with the role of sports in our culture. Um, there's no secret that, you know, we live in a very divided culture, right. whether it's politically, religion, socioeconomics, it doesn't matter. Race is a big one. A lot of division, but sports always seems to be the one thing that can bring people together. So in your experience as a player 
and now as a coach, how have you seen sports take those barriers that exist? I mean, because even in the locker room when you're working as a team, I mean, not everybody looks the same, believes the same, acts the same. You know, so how have you seen sports just tear down those walls? I think the thing about sports is, it, like you said, it brings a lot of different people together, whether there's race, whether it's sex as far as male, male and female, you know, whether it's um, guys that believe in God and, and guys that don't, you know, mm -hmm. whatever the case might be, it, it, it brings everybody together. And at the end of the day, especially when you're playing a sport, you have a common goal, and that's to win. But in the meantime, in that process, you're developing relationships. And I think with development, development relationships that you tend to pull just for me, like me being a Christian, you know, me being, believing in God. Well, I might rub off on a couple people without even, you know, trying to, you know, not mm -hmm. purposely, just with my relationship I have with them. And then they see you and how you act and how, and how you are. And they're like, man, you know, I, I really like, I really like, you know, how he acts or whatever the case might be. And then next thing you know, I mean, they're asking, you know, about FCA, you know, or they're asking about just let's go out to eat, you know, let's go mm -hmm. to church. You know, just, it just, you just never know. And it, it is built that type of relationship that it doesn't matter, you know, your ethnicity. I mean, it doesn't matter what you believe in. It's just a matter of the fact that, you know, you're a good person and, Sometimes that's all it takes. You know, you don't never, you don't ever know what that person may need. You know, whether that's myself or whether that's anybody else. And um, this us going to Africa. So I took a mission trip. We had a sports mission trip to to Africa, Nairobi, mm -hmm. Kenya. And I think that example of being out in Africa, um, going to a prison. Mm. And, I mean, these are these are prisoners. You know, and, and no telling how long they've been in there. No telling how long they, they have to be in there. And we go as athletes, you know, as of different different color. And we go and we sit in prison and talking to them and, and playing games, playing soccer, you know, doing things with them. And you see no color. You see, hmm. you, you don't see anything. All you see is people fellowship hmm. through like I said, conversation, playing games, you know, whatever, whatever it was. And at that time, like that is the time I would never forget because these guys are in prison and we're not looking at them like they're in prison. You know, we're looking at them just like they're us. I don't think it was one person on that trip that was like, uh, I don't, I don't want to be around that person. I don't want to be around. No. And, and I think that alone um, touched a lot of our, a lot of our student athletes. And it was a, it was a big deal for us. And I like what you said. We did. Yeah, I like what you said about common goal and through that process you develop relationships because that's, I mean, the, almost every coach or athlete I talk to in these podcasts. That's one of the, when I ask that question. That's pretty much along along the same lines a lot of the answer, but it always reminds me, um, and I think God has just been using this question in my own life and that's just a reminder that you know that's really a picture of how we should live whether we're in sports or not you know developing yep. relationships with people that don't look like us act like us um talk like us believe like us if we do 
are intentional in developing those relationships, you know, we can tear down a, a lot of walls and we're, we don't have the division that we have today. So it's just a, I just think that's just the sports analogy. It's just a beautiful picture of, of how really God's designed for all of us to live. Right. Um, we just don't always see that one common goal together, right? As a culture. Yep. You're exactly that's right. Good. That's good. I'm going to ask you to offer some advice to a student athlete or a coach that's listening. Um, you know, athletics is a platform. We've talked about that. Um, can be used for good or bad. So what advice would you offer an athlete or a coach that is a follower of Christ and uh, maybe struggling to, to be bold and to use that platform? I would say you have to remember who gave you, you know, that mm -hmm. athletic ability. And I'm speaking more on athletes right now. Mm -hmm. Who gave you that athletic ability? And I know sometimes it's hard to, you know, kind of, talk about God and, and and walk with faith at times, especially being an athlete in high school and, you know, you don't, you know, you have people judging you and, you know, people may not like you because you're a follower of Christ, but you have to remember, and this is something I'll always take with me, even in college, um, my best friend, she used to always take me for the game and say, you know, audience of one. Mm. She takes me that before every game. That's something I always kept with me. You know, till this day, and this is what I would tell, you know, where, uh, high school players or just players in general or, you know, coaches. I mean, it's an audience of one. Remember who you're doing it for. You know, you're not doing it for the people. I mean, you're doing it for God. God gave you the athletic ability. God gave you the blessings to be able to, to bless him with. And so I would say just continue to be yourself and not let others sway you from being the person that God has called you to be. That's good. I like that. It's always a good good reminder for, for anybody. Just remember who gave us the ability mm -hmm. um, and who we're doing it for ultimately, hopefully. Hopefully, right. <laughs> so uh, a lot of people have a favorite scripture or call it a life verse. So I was going to ask if you'd share, um, if you have a favorite verse, share it with us to encourage us, or maybe it's one that God's shown you recently. Uh, I, I think recently or I guess, over my life as well. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, mm -hmm. uh, will present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart, minds, in Christ Jesus. And uh, I think that, I mean, it goes back to wearing. Um, I think in life we, we we're wary about too much and like i always like i've been saying on this podcast is just control what you can control mm. and the sand has stayed with this sand that i'm about to tell you right now has has stayed with me for a long time if you pray why worry if you worry mm. why pray you know and i realized that once i stopped worrying and obviously my 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 life has to be right with god and you know when i pray i, I pray with a purpose and when I pray and, I'm, and my, my life is aligned with God, I don't worry about anything. You know, I'm not anxious about anything. You know, I just leave it in God's hands and I just continue to move about my life, you know, like he wants me to. But when I don't pray, and I, I see this in myself, when I don't pray, I worry about things I know I shouldn't worry about. Mm. And, 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 it, and it eats me. It eats me up. And that's how I can realize if, you know, I'm right with God at that time or not, you know. And so... Um, that's one of the, the scriptures that has stayed with me. 
and that's one. Well, I love that. I mean, this whole conversation, I've written down the word worry a lot. I take a lot of notes when I'm you know, having these, and because I, I mean, me, I by nature, I, I do worry. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's because I try to control things that I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I say, well, let God, God's plan is great, but let me control this piece, this piece, and this piece, and then, right. you know. So I like that. If you pray, why worry? I like that. If you worry, why pray? That's I wrote that down, and that's gonna stick with me. I'm gonna write that on note card. <laughs> Take it to work with me, because I mean, I'm, like I said, I I just think I'm, I'm just a worrier, and it does. It eats at me. I don't sleep. I don't sleep as good. It just affects everything. So that's good. Right. I'm sitting here thinking this whole conversation may just, if it never gets published, it may just be for me. That's good. <laughs> yeah, for, me, for me as well. It's a reminder for myself. Yeah. So last question is just about being all in. I mean, you know, as a, as a coach and a former athlete that, you know, that's just the, you hear that a lot in sports. I mean, Clemson had on the chin strap, I, you know, you see it on t-shirts. I mean, um, all over. And we know what it means in sports, but, you know, God is very clear that if we're, a, if we call ourselves a follower of Christ, he wants us to be all in and, you know, put aside ourselves and, and follow him. So, you know, just what does it mean in a practical sense for you, Lanier, to be all in your walk with Christ? What that means to me is, you know, no matter the situation, no matter what you're going through, no matter the game in sports uh, or the consequence, um, stay true and be faithful to God. I mean, in this world, you're going to have a lot of different walks. You're going to have a lot of things that uh, distract you from being all in. Mm -hmm. I've experienced it over my 28 years of living. You know, I haven't always been all in. You know, I Mm -hmm. gave my life to Christ at 13, but... Like I told you before, I'm not perfect, and I would never tell anybody I am perfect. And then sometimes right. I'm, sometimes I am. You know, I feel like I'm all in, and then sometimes I, I, I know I'm not all in. I need to get mm. back on track. So I would say, um, just no matter the situation, just be yourself. And, and if you, if your walk with Christ is who you are, then be that. You know, don't don't let anything sway you from being all in with Christ because He has given us this life, you know, and, and giving us so much. And, and I think we take that for granted a lot of times. And uh, and so I just try to remember that, you know, he, he's given us so much that it's no reason why, you know, we can't be all in. Well, that's good. That's a, that's a good, that's a good finisher. Um, just to remember, just always be faithful. Yeah. Um, because we're, we're going to have bad days. Right. We're going to have circumstances that we don't like, but just to just be faithful. Uh, because, you know, God always reminds us that he takes even the bad and puts it together and makes it good. <laughs> yes, sir. You're exactly That's right. Good. That's yes, good. Hey, I know it's a, a, a busy time, especially as a, as a college coach. It's still camp season and recruiting, so I appreciate the time and you being willing to do this. Hey, no problem. I appreciate you for um, for offering, you know. And yeah. I, when, you, when I got your tweet, I was like, man, I'm going to I'm gonna have to give him a, give him a call and and I want to do this because, um, and it's just, like I said, it's for, for me as well, but just to reach out to others that may be going through the same things that I'm going through, that we're going through. And so it's a, it's a good, uh, it's a good deal to, to be able to do. So I appreciate it. You bet. Well, thanks again to Lanier for taking time of the busy recruiting season to, to join us and to share his story. And just as I look over the notes and, and the takeaways, um, I did enjoy, obviously, talking Baylor football, talking about playing with Robert Griffin III and, and all the success they enjoyed at Baylor and even talking about that that team had a, 
a we is greater than me mentality. We over me. It was team first. But most of all, the takeaways were um, when we talked about how sports tears down walls in our culture because when you're on a team, you have that common goal. And we've said this on episode after episode after episode, that that is a picture of the way God designed the church, the big C church, is we have one main goal, love God, loving others, and bringing people to him. That's the, the goal of the church. That's the, the, the great commission that Jesus told us was to go and tell others and to make disciples. And we do that through relationships. Lanier talked about how sports plays that role in culture of tearing down those walls. And it's just a beautiful reminder of that's how as followers of Christ, we should see our lives. And, you know, his, his reminder on worrying. I know I personally am a worrier. And so talking about Philippians 4, 6, and 7, not being anxious, but give thanks and everything. Submit your request to God. And he said, you know what? If you're praying, why are you worrying? But if you're worrying, why are you, why are you praying? Um, I, I, I jotted that down. It sounds kind of silly, but it's so true that if, if I'm spending my time in prayer, why am I worrying? And then, you know what? Every day is not going to be a good day. Every situation is not going to be good. But no matter what the situation is, be faithful in our relationship with God because God is faithful to you and me every moment. So no matter what you're going through today, remain faithful. Cling, cling close to that relationship with Jesus and just stay true to it. I hope you were as, as encouraged as I was by talking to Lanier and that you just got a glimpse of his, his heart and his passion um, for the Lord and using coaching as a ministry and, and, and just impacting young men for the gospel. I would ask you to, to share this episode with a family member or a friend, someone that needs to be encouraged today. I know there's somebody in your life that needs to be encouraged. So just, just forward it to them and just, hey, take a few minutes to listen to this. If this was your first time listening and you are not a subscriber to this podcast, click the subscribe button. Whatever podcast platform you listen to, whether it's Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever the platform may be, click the subscribe button and get access to um, the previous 78 episodes and also just get automatic downloads of new episodes as we push these out. And, you know, we love to hear from you. We love your encouragement, your prayers, your support, your feedback. You can interact with us on our social media site, especially on Facebook, All In Sports Outreach, on Twitter at all underscore IN317. And also you can find out opportunities to pray for us, to serve with us, and to give. And also on our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. We've got a lot of exciting stuff going on right now. We've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up. So we'd love for you to stay connected and interact with us. But most of all, continue your prayers, continue your encouragement and your support. It means a lot. The last thing, if this episode encouraged you, go leave us a review. That five-star review may seem like it's not important, but really what it does is the more great reviews we get, the greater the platform to continue sharing the gospel through media. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this. 
Thank you for your encouragement and your support.